welcome to the Spiritual and Empowerment Living with Tia podcast, a sacred place and resource for spiritually centered women who want to go from the mundane to the magical life for overcoming fear and doubt, reconnecting with the goddess, understanding messages from spirit, and uncovering your spiritual gifts so you can finally live the life you deserve. spiritual trailblazers we're talking about one of my favorite subjects you know it's an annual thing and we have a very interesting guest here i can't wait to introduce you to so charmed by curiosity uh christy lives in the advent garden life of or excuse me of life where she explores new ground and holds space for others to grow as such she uncover covers and illuminates beauty and brilliance in the individual especially where it is overlooked or atypical christy is obsessed with the exploration of consciousness and the inherent potential we have to truly create and nurture our best most happy purposeful meaningful lives she and morgana who is her uh, business partner are launching a manifestation manifesting institute very soon and they are progressing towards a new spiritual approach to manifesting where we where, where it is called faith craft and then you can find more about that on christylucindaallen.com forward slash work with me forward slash member gosh I, I was struggling so much today <laughs> christy welcome to the show Thank you so much, Tia. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's it's so interesting because um, I know like getting ready for this, I was a little bit uh, like, oh, I need to like, you know, get the questions right and things like that. It was a lot of mental preparation. And then I got a little bit jittery. <laughs> <laughs> you got jittery. I was jittery. I'm, I'm new to this. This is, um, yeah, this is a whole new world for me, all these podcasts and and all this digital whatnot, but here I am. So thank you. <laughs> uh, no problem. So uh, as, as we were talking uh, before we started recording, you're based in Scotland and I'm all the way in, uh, in the States in Pennsylvania. And yet traditions like Samhain made its way all the way across the seas. So can you give us um, a background behind this one? What was my favorite holiday? <laughs> yeah, I'd be delighted to. Um, Samhain, uh, which obviously more uh, usually known as Halloween, um, is there an ancient Celtic festival. It's actually a harvest festival. It's where, you know, the ancient people of this particular land would have celebrated the end of summer and the beginning of the winter time and therefore the end of their harvest. So they would be uh, celebrating by baking and using those crops. So they would make sweet things to share and to eat, to make treats. Um, they'd also be using this time to reflect on the difference between the light and the dark. And that as it was the, what they call the turning of the wheel, it was becoming the end of the year and the beginning of the next year. So the 31st was the end of the year. The first was actually Celtic New Year. So it's thought that at midnight at that time between the two dates, that the veil between the worlds, the living and the dead, was at its thinnest. And that in celebration of life and death, this was the time of year where ancestors could be contacted, but also that unwanted entities may also be uh, making an appearance. They would maybe interfere with crops. They could um, frighten, you know, local people. They, you know, they could be all sorts of mischief. And that's actually where we get the uh, concept of guising from, which in America, you guys know it more as like trick or treat, like the dressing up. Um, but for us, it was very important that uh, and children participated in this and still do today. So in Scotland, if you see people guising, you see that people are out in the streets dressed up, going from house to house. And the reason they do this is actually to frighten away the unwanted entities. The same with the carving of lanterns and uh, and burning things as well. So, again, it, um, it, it's about uh, releasing um, the, the the power that the evil or the unwanted may have over us. Um, and so in, in Scotland, those costumes would always be thematic of scary things. You would never get a, a sexy whatever. <laughs> <in Halloween. laughs> right. No, that's definitely more of an American tradition to have a, you know, a, you know, a sexy nurse or a sexy anything. Really. <laughs> um, 
you don't tend to have that. Um, but that's where, where really your trick-or-treating would have come from. It would be the children going around the homes, guising, literally in disguise. That's where the word comes from. Um, and they would be doing that in, in exchange for these uh, treats. But of course, what we have to do, and we still do to this day, is we actually perform for those treats. Um, whereas I'm aware in America, it's just this idea of trick or treat, but nobody ever performs a trick, right? But in Scotland, in the actual tradition, that it would be required of you, you'd have to perform a trick. And it's not necessarily a mischief trick. It could be telling a joke or singing a song, doing a dance. It's basically any kind of uh, piece of entertainment, a party trick, a party piece. And in exchange for that, you would be given, you know, like uh, what we call toffee apples. You guys would call them candied apples. You would be uh, baked goods and sweets and fruits and things like that from, from the season. Again, marking the fact that it is a harvest festival. And that's kind of, uh, well, the, the basis of it there, really. Um, another comparison that we would have would be that uh, you, you guys have the, the pumpkin carving. Traditionally in Scotland, it would have been turnips because we, well, we didn't have pumpkins. The pumpkins are far better. They're far more effective, for sure. They make much better lanterns, especially when you look at the size of an actual turnip. It's about the size of your fist, if you're lucky. Uh, but traditionally in Scotland, it was actually turnip or neep carving, as we might have called it then. So I always have this joke at this time of year that, you know, here's this little pumpkin. He doesn't know that he's culturally appropriating a turnip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. How about that? But um, but it's it, but it's OK because, you know, a turnip's a turnip. He doesn't really care. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, all that is so very interesting. But I, I think a turnip looks more scary and probably do the job better than a pumpkin. Pumpkins are cute. They're cute. Yeah. Scary face. <laughs> Turnips are a bit more gnarly, aren't they? They're kind of, uh, yeah, they're kind of bumpy and, uh, yeah, a bit less even. But yeah, you're right. You know, there's quite a good category there for vegetables, I think, is to have cute and non-cute vegetables. That should be more of a thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love um, I love the, the explanation of the light and the dark and the new year. And, you know, sometimes I, I wonder, especially, you know, just tapping a little bit into past lives, people who are just naturally drawn to this holiday they don't understand why and they, they just sense that newness during October 31st as opposed to December 31st yeah definitely um I think it's it's more natural really I mean we look at how the seasons change around that time there's a uh, there is a real marked sudden kind of difference of like yeah summer is definitely ended now and winter's definitely setting in. Whereas kind of the middle of winter, it's still just the middle of winter. It doesn't really feel like um, at New Year that there's really much of a change. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it does make kind of seasonal sense to, to note the turning of the wheel or the New Year at this time. But there's lots of other really interesting, you know, cultural comparisons and histories all entangled in it as well. For example, like the symbol of the apple comes up a lot in, in Halloween. Um, and it's thought that that actually became entwined with Samhain um, when the Romans invaded Britain and they kind of merged their culture with the Celtic culture that was there. And so they um, had this uh, tradition of apples, apple picking, apple peeling, apple eating to do with um, the goddess of plenty called Pomona. And it was on this same date. So that's where, you know, the apple bobbing or duking, as we call it in Scotland, um, comes from. And so it's another really interesting tie in there with this idea of harvest, with this idea of making uh, sweet things, preserves, perhaps for the year ahead. Um, and again, apples being, you know, very entwined in biblical symbolism and, you know, lots of other cultures as well as being something that, that in, you know, it kind of entails this idea of um, knowledge and, and, um, and power and transformation. So it's just another really kind of interesting point there. But the, the name Halloween uh, actually really came in in the sort of about the 700s with Pope Gregory III decided to take the, the, the Celtic uh, celebration and kind of merge it with something more appropriate for the church. And that's where it became All Hallows' Eve. 
and then it was like All Saints Day on the first. So All Hallows Eve gradually became Halloween. That's where we get the name from. But that's a kind of a, pot, a potted history there. Um, but it's, yeah, it's such an interesting time of year. It's one that's deeply revered for honouring the dead, but also it has this immense sense of fun about it and a real celebration of life. And I think that's one of the things that, from a, from a Scottish point of view, we really kind of love the fact that America goes crazy and it's like <laughs> really yeah. adopted it and really, you know, just made it into this amazing uh you know family festival which really taps into the celtic spirit because the celts really are the party people you know <laughs> they're kind of you know, <laughs> famous throughout time for it um and so it's a really nice blend of ancient culture and a contemporary reinterpretation of it so i really love all aspects of it personally including all like the the uh you know pump, plastic pumpkins and sweets and stuff like that uh, I, I, that's awesome that you said that because I was going to ask you how did you feel about uh, some of the the newer ways it's celebrated because when I was reading up on it and I learned you know things like you were talking about the church changed the name or merged you know yeah. several things I'm thinking why couldn't you just leave it alone <laughs> <laughs> I mean don't get me wrong pumpkins are cuter than turnips but <laughs> I just I like a portion of history preserved yeah especially in in this case yeah I think it's one of those things where I mean you can look at something like Celtic culture and you can see that it over and over and over and over again it's been adapted it's been sort of co-opted by you know lots of different um other cultures and in particular obviously the church that's that's what it does right it's 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 quite quite prolific in its ability to kind of you know um merge itself with the existing cultures of any particular land and then sort of carry on as though that's always been the case um but with the the concept of it the point is is to be a celebration and it's to be a day of honoring and you know and a night of fun mm-hmm. and i think that we can get really caught up in the social politics of it all and at the end of the day at the end of the year we we already just want to celebrate and so i think it's important to to be accepting to uh new interpretations and the fact that it is a celebration of that culture, it's not um, its not quite the same as, you know, where a culture is appropriated in terms of a company making money from it or that it's lost its original uh, message. All of that's still there. The message is still there. This is about more people getting to join in, even if it's a bit different and they don't know as much about it. Well, it's a start. And hopefully the people who really love Halloween um, will be looking more and more into the symbolism and the meaning behind it. And they will draw something really important for themselves. It's, it's, it's about humanity. It's about all of us, all of us together, um, rather than necessarily belonging to any one particular bunch of people. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I, I really liked how you uh, especially emphasize that it's not like a company capitalizing on it. It's people celebrating it over the years because originally it's about celebration yeah that's a very interesting perspective thank you I feel um I mean obviously I'm speaking for myself and can't, can't really speak for you know right. all, all people of Scotland they're all people of, of any kind of Celtic um, heritage or whatever but but there's a general sentiment you know among the sort of like the, the Celts um of wanting to share you know if you ever come to Scotland or, or Ireland or any of the, the really the places where the Celtic identity is still quite apparent you'll find that the people are super welcoming they can't wait to get you in their homes and they want you to stay and they want to feed you and then feed you more and they want you to drink with them and they you know and they just want to be your friend and it's it's a real culture of community and I think that that is still very prevalent today and it would be a shame for people to kind of lose sight of that for the sake of you know trending arguments the the only thing that kind of bothers me really is just it's the sometimes you get uh, this, this overemphasis on this sexy witch thing <laughs> <It's> yeah like, <laughs> it, um, given that you know there was a history of people being you know uh, unfairly tried and, and killed for said you know apparent crimes maybe dressing up as their sexy effigies on the day that <laughs> their people honor their dead it's not so yeah. <laughs> appropriate somehow you know it's a bit like um as I've sort of mentioned before it'd be uh where people dress up as a, a Native American 
because it's Thanksgiving, you know, it, it, right. like that. But um, but other than that, you know, there's um, there's no harm to be done in sharing. I think it's good. I think it's important that we that we celebrate it together and that we we are co-educating each other because you know we can draw on the new ideas and the new ways of doing things and the new recipes and also with the ever-growing contemporary culture for witchcraft and for wicca and for other kind of celtic uh, ways of being druidry and things like that it's always always insightful to listen to other people's experiences and points of view and how they came to it mm-hmm. rather than just to assume yeah absolutely and, and that's one of the reasons why i have this annual uh episode and and i know there are other uh holidays but it's just something about Samhain or so and i know there's several ways to pronounce it but there's just something about this holiday that i'm just like i want people to know the history i want people to celebrate it i want people to embrace even more of it so uh you did mention that when you know if someone comes to scotland they uh, people want to invite them to their home so do a lot of people go to scotland for Um, Not really. No, I think most people don't even realise that's where it comes from. And that's um, there is a bit of a bone of contention here in the the UK for that. The the United Kingdom here is made up of, you know, um, Scotland, England, Northern Ireland, Wales, Channel Islands and a few other places. And most people like maybe don't know that. But what's really frustrating is that in the UK itself, most people don't realise that Halloween comes from Scotland and they... They think uh, largely it's an American tradition that's come over here. And that's really, really oh, frustrating. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and people in Scotland know because we've all grown up with it. It's just the normal thing, you know, and we, we go around the doors, we go guising and you perform a trick, you get a trick. And it's this fun thing you do. And it's all about being having a scary costume. And it's all about the living in the dead and the, the harvest and all of these things. We're like, yeah, obviously. But then, you know, you go uh, across the border into England and people go, oh, this American tradition, eh? Oh <laughs> or call it trick or treating, and they get no idea they're supposed to tell a joke. You know, it's um, so it, it's frustrating that the people that we share uh, are sort of you know the land with don't know the history. But that's a that's a wider problem though that, that's over here, where, for example, Scottish history generally isn't taught in anywhere but Scotland. So, you know, there's quite a lot of. Um, there's a lot of a lot of information that's missing let's just say in our national curriculum right right yeah I can definitely definitely emphasize with yeah certain history not being taught or or very little of it being taught and that's really that's a shame because I know like I would love to go to Scotland and 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 you know celebrate some type of way in Scotland one year yeah, you well, you must come. I mean, also it's like if, if people like uh, if people enjoy spooky places, right? Come to Scotland. You know, every there's a castle every like two miles. You trip over them; they're everywhere. You know, it's like yeah. you can't move for haunted castles. They're just everywhere. Uh, so it's definitely for such a tiny, tiny country it is absolutely packed um, with folklore, legends. Uh, you know, the paranormal. Uh, just yeah everything you would want for Halloween. Perfect. So you actually have a background in um, the paranormal and psychology. That's right. Yeah. So during this time of the year, I know that the veil is thinning. So people see more things. Do you notice a spike in paranormal activity during this time of the year? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I, I would carefully phrase it as saying, people experiencing things you know as in there would be a spike in paranormal experience because I I obviously can't comment on whether it's genuine activity or not I don't know Mm -hmm. who can you know it's one of those big uh uh in very very tricky areas to discuss because what we discuss when we're talking about the paranormal is we're talking about uh very very deeply personal experiences because it's very unusual where more than one person has the experience at the particular time so for example people see uh, maybe say they they have a, a ghost encounter or a spirit or you know however they phrase it it's entirely idiosyncratic to them and it's very subjective it's very unusual you'd have a second person who said oh yeah I was there and I saw it too so when we talk about the paranormal it can be quite contentious um, but I've 
over my years of studying this from a scientific point of view, I studied in uh, parapsychology postgraduates and also as a field researcher looking at hauntings and people's, uh, you know, we call anomalous experiences. And what um, fascinates me the most is not so much about how you go about trying to prove or disprove the existence of something, because ultimately, as I said, it's subjective, it's very, very hard to, to do that. I'm far more interested in the meaning of it. You know, what is the actual, like the transpersonal effect on the person who has the experience? Mm. What tends to be consistent and that you can measure um, is exactly that. It's the transformation. People who have these experiences tend to be moved or changed very, very suddenly in a very particular direction, regardless of maybe what their previous beliefs had been when they encounter something that is saying, hey, you know, this is a very convincing experience about you know, the possibility of life after death, then that person's highly unlikely to uh, go back to their old ways of thinking. People become far more conscious of their choices, their ethical choices, their eco choices. They become far more open-minded to um, belief systems and you know, the differences of faith um, and theories of consciousness as well. So it is a fascinating, fascinating world, right from like the kind of grassroots leisure level of like uh, ghost hunting companies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right up to people who have like transcendental experiences and, you know, they feel like they actually meet divinities and uh, those kinds of experiences. Uh, it, the, the whole gamut I just find really, really fascinating because there's a, a very, very strong shared human um, propensity to want to know. It's all about the big questions. You know, it's not so much, oh, are ghosts real? Yes or no? It's, that's not really what people want to know. People want to know about the, the nature of life and death. They want to know about the, you know, the, the meaning of life and what happens when we die. And that's really what we're asking. Um, but we, we don't tend to confront those big questions very well. So we break them down into things like, you know, do you believe in ghosts or do you believe in aliens or that kind of thing? So it's, yeah, just find it fascinating. That is fascinating. I never heard someone talk about the experience of the person. It's more so what you were saying beforehand is, you know, people trying to prove it or not, asking, hello, someone there, you know, what's your name? But th that was very interesting how you went into the, the change of person experience mm. when, when, they, when they had that or even asking the question about them changing. I, yes. I never heard anyone talk about that before. Okay. Um, from my, my own observations of, I mean, I'm an experiencer myself. I've had a, a life of uh, experiences that I can't explain. Um, but then working with people and observing them have those experiences too. Obviously, their experiences are different from mine. And I could never tell because I'm not in their head, right? So, uh, which may be paranormal in itself. But um, it's watching people actually go through the transformation and that to me is all the evidence you need that something is important that something that, that there's a realness to it regardless of what your beliefs are you know to watch someone actually undergo a transformation that is real and that you can you can measure and you can you can get the commonalities between people who have like for example a near-death experience or you know where they where they actually they, they talk about like having left their body that they go towards a light or that they they meet people from you know, who passed on from their past, um, all of these things, all these components, and then you compare them all cross-culturally and you find that, there's, again, it's this commonality. And what happens is not so much, um, oh, is it proof of life after death? Well, we don't know. We're never going to know that, right? But what we can measure is the change that happens in that person. They always seem to come back with a, a far more um, conscious a way of being in the world you know they, they've expanded basically they go through an expansion process so if that's not fascinating to research then I don't know what is you know <laughs> statistics at the end of the day statistics are not that interesting I find but, <laughs> but the massive shifts in human consciousness they're pretty interesting yeah no I, I can I can totally see how that's um of importance and very interesting and it just makes me think when people you know celebrate just going back to the, the holiday celebrate holidays how they is uh, how they change and, and what they experience really sets the precedence for how they move forward because when we dive into like really dive into these holidays and and do some of the 
their rituals for the holidays, whether it's communicating with the dead, having that altar up, you know, really acknowledging the light and the dark. There's something to be said about that on on a deeper level, just like you were saying, you know, th- there's more to this than yes or no. <laughs> it doesn't go as this. Yeah, well, that's said, you know, and, and when you look at the yes and no questions around things, and at the end of the day, they're not very helpful because mm-hmm. you believe what you believe. So, you know, what difference does it make? It's all, all about the experience. It's all about transformation. And that's really what Halloween is all about. It's about transforming, you know, from light to dark. It's about the the, the energy shifting. It's about going from, you know, summer to winter. It's going from the end of the year to the new year. Um, again, really uh, coincidentally we have of course uh, a blue moon a full moon this halloween and those and uh, moons uh, are obviously symbolic of um, a woman's progress and when you have the full moon it's like she's full term and she's now ready to release so it's like the birthing of something new and so we have uh, the full moon at halloween which i think is uh, quite unusual happens one every 18 years or something but it's also a blue moon which means it's the second full moon of this month which is unusual in itself then again we can symbolically take those on board and see how they really really magnify this idea of transformation this idea of letting go what has been and embracing the new and holding space for the new to unfold to be born and again that really ties in um, with this this bigger greater theme of spiritual growth and as I said I keep using the word transformation but I feel it's just really really apt um yeah I mean I I could go on for hours about that I'm just soaking up all this information I'm just listening and soaking it up like wow yes thank you (laughs) so do do you have a ritual that you do each year or do you change it up you know sometimes you you do ritual by yourself you do with friends What, what do you do yeah, I usually just end up doing something on my own. Um, although I have done it within groups before, I just find keeping it really simple is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, having um, aspects of your ritual are there to amplify your experience. You know, it's like maybe you choose like some oil or incense, or, um, maybe you choose certain colors. It's things that uh, that have the vibration of what you're transforming with. So um, I tend to find a, a kind of a dark corner. And what I do is I light a single candle. I mean, they, they, I do it as a single candle rather than as one for everybody I know that might have passed on because, you know, that is kind of a you know, difficult task. And what if you forget someone, you know? So I light a single one and it kind of represents all of us, you know, all who have passed and all who will pass and reminding me of the unity always all as well that we are one we are the one flame together although we may have our individual life and death our individual transformations we are all one as a species you know as um uh, as an expression of the universe as an expression of the divine we are all aspects of that singularity of that one looking back on itself so i like one candle and um, i sit and i meditate with it for a while on this wider idea of uh death before life not necessarily um the other way around you know and that sometimes things have to pass to be transformed that the energy is never destroyed mm-hmm. it's simply transformed and that we return to a source and so that's really what i do i use mirrors as well i tend to have a mirror and i gaze a little into the mirror there's a process called psychomantium which is quite popular with like paranormal investigators etc different theories around um, how psychomantium works but it's literally just gently gazing at your own reflection and what actually happens and there's a big debate about this but what happens is that your features morph and you you will find that other faces will look back at you uh psychology quite often will refer to this as something called the troxler effect where it's uh you know it's to do with your attention um blurring into ambiguity allowing you then to uh reacts to the possibility of a face and then seeing one a bit like um humans have a, a a tendency to see faces where there aren't any for example in a in a bush or in um, long grass or something like that and that's just thought to be a survival you know mechanism a sort of hangover from our earlier evolution where it's better to see uh, a lion's be mistaken and see a lion's face hiding in a bush right? and you run 
it, there was no lion. Better that than you don't see it and you get eaten. So it's thought that there's a combination of that ambiguity when you gaze and that uh, anxiety response coming together that allow you to see these faces. However, it's a theory, you know, um, paired up with another theory. But when you do psychomantum and you have the experience of seeing these faces, it is pretty profound. The people that look back at you or the images that you see are very, uh, very engaging, very enthralling. And again, whether it's this or whether it's that, I don't think it's really important. What is important is the meaning that I draw from it, mm-hmm. because that's what informs my transformation. Right. It has to be meaningful in a way for us. I, I was thinking when you said it, past lives, I was just thinking maybe those are my faces from past lives. Yeah. Someone else could think that's their ancestor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's just, and that's the thing. We'll never know for sure, right? Mm-hmm. We can't prove it. But maybe when we stop focusing on everything has to be neatly packaged into a yes or a no, everything has to be neatly proven or disproven, you know, when we can let go of that, we'll let go of that need for certainty with everything, then we'll leave ourselves actually entirely wide open to all possibility and therefore to transform and to grow fully and completely as spiritual beings rather than as intellectual beings that, you know, that has this need for understanding in that very scientific way. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think that's why people who are uh, more spiritually inclined just have a very fulfilling life plus the bonus of that magic because it's when when we see something it's like a knowing for example I was talking to a friend about something and I was telling her like I was really excited now I'm nervous about a decision that I eventually would have to make and then as I was talking to her I looked down I saw a feather and I just thought I said out loud like oh okay everything's gonna be okay and I just stopped talking about it but to someone else, to her, probably was just a regular feather, <laughs> a dirty feather on, on the ground. But yeah. for me, it was, yeah. you know, an angelic feather letting me know, Tia, you don't have to worry about this decision. It's going to work out. Well, that's really beautiful. It's a really good example. I, I feel like um, like with the feather and with things we're using ritual, um, these are all like amplif- amplifiers of your intuition. Mm-hmm. so for your friend you know yeah a feather is just a feather okay fine but for you in that moment it was more than that because it, it stirred something intuitive within you mm-hmm. you know and that's where the the importance is that's where the meaning is you know I mean I think of the amount of times we maybe don't notice things in our environment like feathers or you know uh leaves or twigs landing that look like arrows or, or whatever else right. you know, that, <laughs> the amount of times that people probably do see ghosts and they, and they, they have all sorts of paranormal experiences but they, they don't notice it you know we think about all of those and again it's like we're, we're trying to almost um quantify and science everything mm-hmm. but about that meaning in the moment you know what does it mean to a person and if that feather was was signifying to you that intuitive inner feeling then that is what's important because ultimately um, you are the experiencer. You know, the experience isn't happening just independently of its own. It's happening because you're, because you're experiencing it. Right. And so uh, one of the things I'm definitely going to do on Samhain is, uh, and you talked about it, burn a candle, steering into the fire. And since we're on the, the lines of talking about, you know, how it, the experience, the interpretation is per person, uh, how do you feel about having a bonfire on Samhain? You know, just a group of people looking into it and, and that being their their ritual. I think that's really lovely because there's two elements there. There's one, there's the personal meaning, the personal experience that each person will have, but there's also the collective one. And so by sharing that one fire together, it's a bit like having the single flame. It's um, It's symbolizing the unity of all of those people and and all of humanity and also that it's a shared space that there's a huge amount of trust between everybody mm-hmm. and that it's a safe space for people to you know um destroy that which doesn't serve them and let go to the, the to the closing year by burning you, you know the, the things that they want to release um which of course leaves everybody together in a space to bring in the new and what they do want so i think there's something very beautiful about um 
the kind of sacred nature of, of holding space for one another, like without judgment. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my cat's here. You can probably hear him. He's he's he's, he's trying to join. <laughs> it's okay. He, he has a lot to say. He's like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, let's chat more cat food. <laughs> yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. so did, did you um did you think about maybe tapping into the energies to get a sense of the next year every year i i use uh it's called the halloween oracle cards and mm-hmm. i use it just to get a theme for the year and i just think especially with the full moon being on uh, uh Samhain, it's just it's such a uh, a great sign so i was curious yeah. did you think about tapping in and see what's the theme for the next year yeah it probably won't surprise you but the theme is transformation <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, but I think with all of those potencies there, with it being a full moon, with it being a blue moon, with it being Halloween, um, with so many shifts in my life at the moment as well, you know, and coming on this show, for example, you know, all of these things align and really show me that shared transformation is super important. It's about holding the space for each other to grow. It's about acknowledging that there is now a sort of spirituality uh, rising like a, I keep calling it religion 4.0 like it's this new wave they're starting to emerge because we're in a time of intense difficulty for people you know with coronavirus and all the knock-on effects that's had has provoked mass anxiety and when we think of anxiety it's not just um worrying about the little things it's worrying again it's these big questions that we tend to avoid in life it's wanting to know what happens when we die what is point in in life what is our place in the universe is there a god etc all of these things and when people are faced with a crisis then they seek reassurance and they seek agency they seek to be able to take charge of things for themselves to have a kind of sense of directing their own fate and that involves faith it involves putting faith in the spiritual world to trust their intuition and their emotions over, um, you know, information and the sort of more scientific and knowledge-based world that we tend to, you know, hitherto had been relying on. People are now reaching out and they're having to do it, um, like I said, with, with faith. And so I think that the meaning here is to continue that work, to hold space for people, to encourage them to take a chance on themselves to find that actually maybe spirituality can um, allow them to grow despite the feeling that everything around them is stunting their growth. You know, it could be like a lack of job. It could be like health problems. It could be the inability to see their friends and loved ones. It could be all of these things where they feel restricted, but actually rather than looking out there at what's going on, turn inward and understand that faith and go on that journey. You know, and it's, I feel like um, I get this message very much recently, very, very strongly that intuition is actually an inner pathway to the divine. Mm-hmm. And then as we, you know, turn the wheel of the year and we step into, you know, the Celtic New Year, we can really acknowledge that we can maybe it's time to let go of the the paradigm of, you know, trusting in just the numbers just the data just the you know what the man on the television tells you to do it's not so much about just um accepting uh, what to think it's about understanding how to think and how to feel mm-hmm. and how to you know have that sense of agency that it that we aren't beholden to the authorities in the way that we have assumed for so 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 long it's it's time to burn the dogma it's time to release those limiting beliefs and and hold that space for the new spirituality to be born yes I love that you said take a chance on yourself man that was just that gave me a sense of relief and I take chances on myself I feel like people just need to hear this every so often it's so true especially uh when it's so easy to get caught up in a lot of things I remember even on your website you talked about uh, being normal and, and the illusion and things like that. And it, it just makes me think that um, sometimes, especially um, I notice this with people who um, aren't spiritually inclined, that sometimes they get so consumed with the world mm. that they forget 
who they are, what they can do and how they can move past something. Like, of course, there are horrible things that happen, but sometimes we get caught up in things before it even happens. So then if something does happen, there's that extra layer of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, and I know even sometimes spiritual people go through this too, but sometimes I think it's easier for us to get back on the bandwagon. And easy is a, like a loose term I'm, lo- I'm using here because we notice certain signs or we know things to do to help get us through this. So that faith and spirituality, I think helps a lot, especially during these times. Yeah, it, it really does. I think um, the key word here is it, it's faith and it's about letting go of the need for certainty and kind mm. of surrendering to uncertainty. And that's really what spirituality is all about, really. You know, wh- whether you have this belief or that belief and share those beliefs with that group, but different ones with another group, um, it's all kind of academic and personal they at the bottom of it all underneath it all it's about surrendering to the uncertainty and being okay with that it's about you know the it's the faith that that really is what it comes down to the faith that there's more to all of this than you'd ever been worrying about you know that um we all come from the stars we're all made of star stuff we're all powered by starlight you know so maybe it's okay just to have faith that we are that star you know mm-hmm. we, we are we are all one we're all these like little scintillations of the universe looking back at itself you know and that and that's perhaps the, the point of life is to live you know that is to ex- to fully express ourselves as expressions of the universe that's you know really the fundamental how we're here mm-hmm. so allow ourselves to be and to encourage each other just to do the same so, I mean, I do feel like anxiety right now is one of the biggest topics and one of the biggest hurdles. It's a personal individual experience, yet it's also one um, which is a community experience. It's a global experience. It's a human experience. And the opposite of anxiety really is faith. You know, it's about just, it's hope. You know, it's about moving into that space and allowing yourself to be fully immersed in it. Because we have a choice. People often forget that we do have a choice you can choose it you can choose to move towards spirit you can choose to move towards um faith and unity it might feel scary it might provoke anxiety oh the irony right but what's the alternative just to be in fear and for what to not grow right right yeah all all beautiful i I love the you know we're stars looking back at ourselves People need to have your sayings throughout their house <laughs> because <laughs> seriously, it's so easy to forget everything that we learned when life happens, you know, like you said, the man on the TV, like it's so easy to forget and to have these reminders can easily snap us right back on course. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really what's... um motivating Morgana and I and all the work that we do with, with individuals and also now with Faithcraft that we're developing you know it, it's encouraging people to, to do it for themselves you know and to to step into the place of faith to step into the place of uh, of possibility to really manifest what they do want in life as opposed to what they don't want in life mm-hmm. you know and that does take a little bit of risk but that's the fun bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so second to final question, do you have any books or websites you can recommend for people who want to dive deeper into the origin and meaning of Samhain? Uh, you could check out Morgana's work for sure. She has a PhD and she really looked into uh, witch trials and how people formed beliefs. So she's definitely a great um, source on that. And that's morganamckayballon.com. Um I am um, as for books on you know maybe Celtic history I can't think of one off the top of my head but I can find out and I can send you a link and it can be put down um I do have a book that I've written which I'd like to recommend if anyone should be interested in how to turn anxiety into that sense of personal faith then it's called ironic fundamentalism and you can get that on Amazon if anyone would like to have a look at um, why anxiety could actually be the motivating force for manifesting that you never realized you had 
So I'd like to recommend that. And if people could just, uh, yeah, come and check out our website. So as I says, MorganaMcCabeAllen.com and KirstyLucindaAllen.com. We're not actually related, strangely enough. We just happen to have the same surname. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you that. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's quite funny though because I was always an Alan and then Morgana was she was McCabe and then she got married and at her wedding I don't know why but it felt like I won something it's like ah you're an Alan now I win. <laughs> and then it's like, I don't know why I'm saying that but here we go. So <laughs> it's like it's like somehow clan Alan had you know had acquired her. Um, so yeah so happy days. But um, yeah, if people would check out our websites and then we can find out more information from there as well about the Manifesting Institute, which is going to be launching incredibly soon. Uh, and it's very much about empowering people to, to figure out what they really want, what they really need, because that's like the biggest part of the of the whole manifesting conundrum is actually getting clear on that bit. And then we talk people through a seven step process for actually making it come true, for actually manifesting. And uh, yeah, there's also another project in the pipeline, which will become uh, apparent quite soon as well. And that's actually on paranormal experience and how to understand it and how to go about like working out the meaning for you. Um, so again, for more information, if you just check out our websites. And um, I've got this little book in front of me here, actually, which I thought was a great. This is the first book on like, witchcraft that I ever read when I was 14. It's The Power of the Witch uh, by Laurie Cabot, an American author. First one I ever read, and it blew my mind. It really was like, oh, you know, the, it was like permission to be authentic. That was how I felt when I read it. So I would really recommend that to anybody who's looking for a first read. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really comprehensive. It does go into the history of Halloween and stuff as well. So it would be a really good one. Uh, yeah, I, I will put uh, the links in the description of this episode in Power of the Witch. Yeah, I, I had to read that. I, it's, I, it, I get a little frustrated sometimes because I wish some of these books were summer reading for kids. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it solves a lot of things. Like I, I just... I remember looking back, I used to pretend to be a queen or a witch. Like, it's just, it's so fascinating. Like, every year, I mean, I was a My Little Pony, you know, when I was like eight or whatever, like that. But as time went by, I just noticed these things I would do as a kid. I'm like, oh my gosh, this whole time. So, if I only had books like that. Yeah, that's it. I think it, it, it for children as well, it really taps into like uh, what we're drawn to certain archetypes, aren't we? And these are like, again, these are shared, shared ideas, sort of like collective knowledge and that people express on an individual basis. And, you know, it, it's a shame that things have become really politicized as well about, you know, who gets to be a princess and what does that mean? It's like, well, everybody should get to be a princess and equally everybody should get to be the witch, you know, and, and to, to celebrate um, the, the, the diversity, the pluralism, and also the, you know, the, the collective aspect of it as well, just to be, the, the, again, this unity that we are all one. Um, and yeah, maybe there's a gap in the market there. Maybe, um, Tio, we could be thinking about writing some books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. With the younger readers. Uh, you know, obviously Harry Potter, you know, has covered a fair bit there, but, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> there's always room. There's always room. There's, there's always room. Yes, because um, when when I talk to people or even work with them, one of the things I hear, usually the main thing is they thought they were crazy because they have all these, you know, gifts or just sure you, you know things that then happen to them and like you were saying it gets politicized and mm-hmm. sometimes words get demonized and now they have a lot of anxiety that's another key word yeah. of this episode because they were told you know this is wrong this is bad or you're crazy yeah. so yeah yeah exactly goes back to that paradigm of everything having to be explained and everything having to fit in a box of it's this or it's that it, mm-hmm. it's real or it's not real it's proven or it's not proven or it exists or it doesn't exist and so once we can start dispensing with that strange need then actually we become entirely free to think and to feel you know it's um intuition's a funny thing because it's strangely counterintuitive because we tend we tend to uh, say things in retrospect like oh I knew that was going to happen or oh I had a funny feeling about him mm-hmm. those sorts of things and it's like there's intuition it's always talking to you telling you things but we tend to recognize it in retrospect so big irony there if your intuition feels counterintuitive. <laughs> <laughs> 
then you really need to listen to it. You know, it's really trying to tell you something. And that's why I think that is the meaning that we take from our experiences, um, you know, personally and collectively that's so important is you have to trust the intuitive response, the intuitive understanding, not the factual quote unquote understanding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any final words? Um, no, thank you very much for having me on. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear from your listeners. Uh, if they've got any questions, just to get in touch with myself and Morgana. And uh, yeah, and happy Halloween. Thank you. Yes, I learned a lot and I, I was soaking up all the information you were saying and I am so much better for that now. <laughs> uh, I, I just love learning and I know the listeners are also soaking up this knowledge and are in, a, in an even better place knowing the origin. It's always good to know origins. Definitely, yeah it really informs us and then of course there's always the personal origins for each individual how you came to know about it and what did it mean for you then and how is that transformed and so on and so yeah I'd just say go enjoy it you know um everyone should just work with Halloween how it manifests for them you know and uh, you know chart the difference chart the progress notice the before notice the after you know the turning of the wheel and set good intentions for yourself for growth for transformation and to let go of that which doesn't serve you you know let it go with the moon let it go with the fires let it go with the the turning of the wheel mm-hmm. and and for those who don't know i didn't think about saying this earlier the turning of the wheel it just symbolizes a different portion of the year so next is going to be yule and that's like the, the winter season and and um for some people christmas so that's what she means just different holidays throughout the uh seasons coordinations throughout yeah. the year thank you thank you so much thank you so everyone you know i am sending you many blessings i am rooting for you as always and remember to be kind to yourself until next time as always spiritual trailblazer thank you for tuning in do make sure to stop by and visit me at tiamariejohnson.com also don't forget to subscribe last but not least be kind to yourself i'm rooting for you And I'm sending you so many blessings. Until next time.